0: Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly.
2: Welcome to Hancock and Kelly here on Fox 2 on your Mother's Day Sunday. Gentlemen, great to see you. On the right is John Hancock.
3: Happy Mother's Day.
2: And on the left, Michael Kelly. Happy Mother's Happy Day, Mom. And I'm John Brown. Big story this week, are we in a constitutional crisis? Roll that tape. It's an
3: attack on the will, on the ability of the American people to know what the executive branch is doing and to have responsible government. It is an attack on the essence of our democracy, and we must uh, oppose this with every fiber of our being. And that's why we, 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 we today did referred a, uh, uh, a contempt citation uh, to the House floor. We've talked for a long time about approaching a constitutional crisis. We are now in it.
0: Chairman Nadler is asking the Attorney General of the United States to break the law
2: and commit a crime by releasing information that he knows he has no legal authority to have. Uh, It's truly outrageous and absurd what the chairman is doing, and he should be embarrassed that he's behaving this way. All right, so let's set the stage. Here this all comes after President Trump claims executive privilege to keep any more of that Mueller report from being seen. For those of you wondering what exactly executive privilege is, here it is. It is defined as the ability for the president to keep sensitive information away from other branches of the federal government. But there is a caveat here. Only if disclosure would interfere with the functions of the executive branch. John, you're up first. We've seen, what, 92, 95, 96, whatever the number is, percent of the Mueller report. He doesn't want any more to get out there. His attorney general says we're not going to let it out there. Do we need to see the whole thing? We've seen everything.
3: Uh, There was a two-year investigation here, and to an exhaustive investigation and what did it conclude it concluded that there was no conspiracy committed by the trump campaign it concluded that in bob Mueller's, uh, he said he couldn't draw a conclusion on obstruction of justice there's no obstruction of justice <laughs> here uh... the what the democrats now i will say this the, the democrats have a little bit of a of a lester scruggs problem here. Mm. you know about or lester flat remember lester flat he was the fiddle player donald trump is playing these guys like a fiddle brown He's goading them into an impeachment process that is going to inherently harm them politically uh, and enhance his chances of winning re-election in 2020. He's playing them like a fiddle, and that's what's going on here, and the Democrats are walking right into the trap.
2: Michael Kelly. Well, Look, is
1: there a constitutional crisis? I think no. those are pretty strong words that uh, Chairman Nadler was using. Could we potentially be headed to a constitutional crisis with this president? Of course. I mean, this is Donald Trump after all. There's nothing conventional about him. They have the oversight ability, whether or not this is a constitutional crisis, I don't know. As for Democrats continue to investigate, they should. That is part of their role. That is one of their constitutional responsibilities to have oversight over the executive branch and they're gonna do it. Despite whatever political advice, the Republicans suddenly have so much concern about what the Democrats are up to. We'll take care of this. You all just continue to cover for a man who lies and will handle the investigations and the oversight. To keep pursuing this
3: course, you've got a a complete Inbound two-year, 400-page investigation. To keep pursuing this course, there's only one reason to do that, and that's to impeach the president. And if the Democrats want to impeach the president, they ought to say we're going to impeach the president, and then
1: let the political fallout happen. Because no, you know what, we, Kelly? We had People this debate are, last done with
3: week. We're done with this. No, this we had over. this
1: debate last week, and for six years you investigated Hillary Clinton over Benghazi, even after reports had come out. There were no that reports. You, you continued to do it. Here's the reality. They have the oversight ability. They're going to continue to do it. There's no impeachment proceedings going to be there. Don't worry. Your guy's not going anywhere. You'll continue to defend this liar. That's fine. What we did learn in that uh, Mueller report is this is a bad person. He is a bad human being. And anybody who reads that report, whether or not you want to believe he
2: obstructed justice or not, that's not the kind of character we want as president. Here's one thing I don't understand on both sides why the Republicans don't want everything to come out. I, w- I personally want to see everything. I want to see as much unredacted material as we can. On the flip side, Nadler could go over to the building and see this report, and he refuses to go over. I think we're playing politics with something that probably ought to be out there anyway. Well, what's been redacted is grand jury testimony. Mm-hmm. You don't want to set
3: a precedent and release it. The whole point of having a grand jury. Uh, testimony sealed is so people, citizens, who are not guilty of anything, can come forward and tell the truth without fear of being right. exposed. The second thing that's, that's redacted in here is national security
1: information as right. it relates to Russian meddling it's redacted. in the election. It should be, this is political theater to an extent, and I think it's incredible that the Republicans don't like political theater because, I believe it was Donald Trump, Who for six years ran around yelling about a birth certificate and it had been released. The situation had been resolved. But that we continue to investigate. That's just, this is political theater. Suck it up. Well, it's political theater, but there's
3: only one purpose of having hearings, and that's to impeach the president. And I say, giddy up.
2: Also late this week, a Republican member of the Senate Intelligence Committee subpoenaed the president's eldest son to force him to testify before the committee. Now, at issue here, it was kind of confusing. People were confused about what's going on here. So bottom line is that his previous testimony, Trump Jr's previous testimony, is at odds with what we found in the Mueller report regarding dealings with Russia. Here are the sound bites, the dueling sound bites.
0: There does seem to me to be troubling public evidence that Donald Trump Jr. has not been truthful about the family's business involvement in Russia. I was very surprised to see my son. My son's a very good person, works very hard. The last thing he needs is Washington, D.C. He could rather not ever be involved. My son testified for hours and hours. My son was totally exonerated by Mueller. who frankly, does not like Donald Trump. Me. Okay, also important to point out
2: that Chairman Richard Burr is retiring. He's the Republican pushing this, so he doesn't have to worry about the Trump factor in re-election. That's Well, that's, that's, that's the part that's troubling, is the Republicans
1: only seem to get a backbone when they're not running for the United States Senate. We've seen this before. We saw this with the guy from uh, Arizona and other places. I mean, it'd be helpful when we find that the president's son lied. And he doesn't need Washington, D.C. He's inherently involved in washington dc and he went and testified before congress whether or not he lied is a pertinent issue and it should be what congress investigates You
3: remember the la rams brown yeah the game before the super bowl there was a pass interference penalty it was never called <laughs> remember right. that yeah, i do remember that well you're, you're not going to go back and undo that call the rams went to the super bowl where they wonderfully lost uh this thing is over Okay there's been an investigation it's done there's no point to dredging up and it's great been conclusively argument. proven that there was no it, collusion it, it's or It's a great argument it if it wasn't argument.
1: the Republicans who revived it it's your own party who's standing up and saying you know what this guy's bad what they've done is wrong we do need to get to the bottom of this so you can sit there and make those comparisons but it's your own party who's doing this to you a little prediction here let's yes. mark the tape mm. Donald Trump Jr.
3: will never appear before the Senate Intelligence Committee again. That's Hmm, my prediction. Well,
1: because anything that comes out of his mouth is going to be a lie. (laughs) All right. Who in their right mind would put that
2: client in front of Congress? All right. Coming up on Hancock & Kelly, we're going to talk about Trump's taxes. And also, Biden seems to be running away with things. What's going on? And a look at what's going on here in St. Louis County as well with more indictments.
0: To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search
2: for Hancock & Kelly. You know what I'd like to do at some point, fellas? What's that, Brian? Lose a billion dollars. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice to be <laughs> able to yeah, lose a billion nice dollars? To meet you, Mr. President. Oh, hi. <laughs> Let's talk Trump's taxes. The New York Times got a hold of some old tax documents. We're talking 84 to 1994. During that time... Trump, then pre-presidency, of course, lost $1.2 billion. In fact, according to the report, he lost more money than any other American in one of those years. And he paid practically zero in federal taxes because, well, it was all losses. Okay, so let's talk. Who wants to go first on this one? I do, I do. All right,
1: you're up. Go. Let's remember, when he was writing the art of the deal was when he was losing $1.2 billion. I mean, give That's me a break. This fine. man, you know, and let's be honest. The reason he doesn't want to disclose his taxes now, because he put out this narrative that I'm the best businessman ever. Well, we've seen proof that at the start of your business career, you were the worst businessman ever. And that narrative is going to continue to get ripped down. Uh, Donald Trump's
2: a fraud. I will I will set you up in this way, Okay. In that in business, unless you're a publicly traded company, you don't want to show much in profit because then you have to pay taxes on it. So if you buy a $100 million jet, that's a business write-off, and you can hide it. That's the best I can come up with.
3: Well, uh, you know, look, part of being a brilliant business person Mm -hmm. is the ability to minimize the tax burden that you face. And in that regard,
2: Donald Trump
3: performed masterfully. Uh, <laughs> that's the art of the deal right that there that is the art of the deal he's he's paying as little taxes as he possibly can which is the goal of all of us in this life so we have
1: a president who goes out there Does and like says that, to Kelly? his contractors you like that didn't you Kelly? I'm not worried about your livelihood it's mine that I <laughs> give a care about and he leaves all these folks holding the bag I wonder what he's leaving us holding the bag on hmm. well I'm just I think the people who like
3: Donald Trump this is going to have zero
1: Impact it, Donald Trump and could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue, and the people who like him are going to defend. He could go and do bad things in the Oval Office. I
3: don't think you can conclude that somebody who is clearly successful—I mean, you just look at uh, the assets that the man has. I don't think you can argue on the basis of 30-year-old income. Bonnie and returns,
1: Clyde were that he's successful. A Al Capone was successful. Frauds
2: and bad people can be successful. That's what we've got. <laughs> All right. Let's talk Democrats here very quickly. Uh, yeah. Joe Biden running away with the polling right now. Some polls have him up like 20, 30 percent or more. Okay, Mike, 21 people in the race. This guy way out in front. What's going on on your side of the ticket here? Why is he running away with it? Because he doesn't fit the narrative that seems to be out there with a lot of people on the left. Well, I think
1: that Democrats are one, are excited to, to beat Donald Trump. Two, they have a candidate that has broad appeal. Three, he brings in some of those never-Trumpers and part of the Trump coalition speaks to a lot of folks in the industrial Midwest. Look, our primary is so front-loaded now as a result of the reform of superdelegates, etc. Plus, we're going to have Super Tuesday, which happens, I think, in March this coming year. So you're going to have those four primaries early and then one half of the country's population is going to vote. If if Joe Biden can come out of those first three primaries, four primaries, at the top of the heap, he's going to be the Democratic
2: nominee, and it'll be time to get it on. Okay, you're a numbers guy. I love breaking down these numbers of who they talk to. So a majority of likely Democrat voters, right, likely Democrat voters they found are over the age of 50, and they don't like the idea of socialism. I thought that was interesting. So despite Bernie Sanders, AOC, Elizabeth Warren, these Democrats are the old-style Democrats that maybe. you may have run against back in the in this. well, not that long ago,
3: but maybe. Right uh, you know what you don't know is who shows up at caucuses, point. primary elections, and where the passion lies. I mean, you, it's impossible to predict. But you know, every now and then, Brown, there's a horse that gets out in front of the field, and uh, and maybe the horse missteps or swerves into somebody else's lane, gets disqualified. It happens. I think Biden and his entire history is a presidential candidate who who continually missteps and and underperforms and so I think the chances that he self-destructs between now and next
1: February are pretty high. And you he know, was a great prognosticator on the Republicans during their <laughs> primary
2: so i uh, take everything he said <laughs> Mark the t- and put them money right. down. Mark the tape You t- know, here's one thing that, that stood out to me. I heard somebody talking about this in in theory this week. Um do you think moderate Democrats are afraid to be vocal, just like a lot of moderate Republicans were in the face of the more extreme members? Because, you know, you hear people, I was at a coffee shop in St. Louis this week, very leftist, and there was no civil conversation. If somebody wanted to come up and say, I think we should go with the Joe Biden, they'd be like, no, no, we want to go way left. And you get shouted down. one
1: thing at. we learned in the 2018 election and uh, the 2016 election is people are angry, even those folks in the middle. Um, and they show up. Now, obviously, the extremes of each party are constantly the ones who are getting the attention and the talking heads on TV, but we're seeing that anger manifested with voters and unprecedented voting totals as well. So, I mean, look, Democrats, moderates, common sense
2: people want to get rid of Donald Trump. They're going to be showed up. They're excited to do this. John, though, we saw that with Trump. If you came against Trump back then, you got shouted down. Now you get frozen out. And I think that may be what's going on on the left as well.
3: It, it may be. Their, their structure of their primaries are a little different than Republicans. It, Biden Biden could very well walk away with this thing. I, I think he will misstep. That's my own personal opinion. But he's pretty well positioned right now. And the way their calendar runs, as Michael said, could favor somebody like him.
2: All right. Still to come on Hancock and Kelly, the president makes a joke at the expense of the Sunshine State, what someone at a rally this week suggested I mean, to get a grip have- on immigration and the response.
0: Hundreds and hundreds of people, and you have two or three border security people that apply-
3: There's been a debate raging for the last few months, and, and uh, I think we have to get it resolved and decided tonight, and that is, Which one of us is capable of the most deadpan expression? (laughs) Now, I I know this is a little unfair because I do my best work in in the hearing, in congressional hearings. Rod does his standing behind the attorney general at press conferences. So what
2: do you say? Is it Rod or me? Rod?
1: <laughs> Twenty
2: minutes. Right. Not, not too much news value in that, but that was kind of a lighter moment from this week. But even people got upset about that. You shouldn't be deadpan in front of a committee or whatever. People can't lighten up about anything anymore, fellas.
3: Yeah, I mean that. Uh, you know, that's uh, Bill Barr is actually a, a decent guy, and I think it kind of shines through there. I wish we had more moments like that,
2: honestly. Well, quite frankly, that's the way it used to be. You would have, you know, the old back when we had a press meeting and and such, you would have people making fun. Eh, It doesn't happen much. All right, President Trump making a joke at the expense of the Sunshine State during a campaign rally Wednesday night in Panama City, Florida. The issue of border security was addressed. Listen to what happens kind of behind the scenes here.
0: I mean, when you have 15,000 people marching up and you have hundreds and hundreds of people and you have two or three border security people that are brave and great, and don't forget, we don't let them, and we can't let them use weapons, we can't. Other countries do, we can't. I would never do that. But how do you stop these people? You can't, there's no... That's only in the panhandle you can get away with that statement.
2: So you heard it right there. Audience member yells, shoot em, and, um and everybody laughs. I, I mean, that's if you think about the actual reality of that, Michael, that's... Whoa
1: it's it's disgusting it's sick goes further to the character of this president uh, do you remember when uh, John McCain was running and the lady said bad things about Barack Obama and he said no wait a minute that's not true what you just said how refreshing would that be this is just disgusting
3: well he just said before that that they can't use their guns he was pointing out what the policy is uh, I you know I think Donald Trump gets a lot of flack when he's just you know, he's a spontaneous guy. He, he likes to make fun. He likes to have fun. You know, and I think he gets a lot of bad flack over that. Where it, it wouldn't, if it were other presidents, There's it wouldn't be.
1: There's plenty of that places of to have fun if you're the president of the United States. You have an egg roll, you do all your pardon of turkey. Talking about shooting immigrants, that's supposed to be fun, John? He said no. He wasn't talking no. about well, shooting immigrants. You saw his response. It speaks for itself. He
3: just said that it's, it's not poly. You can't use your weapons. He pointed that out before that. I That's all. I, I just think, you
2: know, everybody needs to lighten up a little bit. All right. Next shoe to drop in the Steve Singer investigation just hit the floor. Two more big names in that indictment were in court this past week. One, uh, Sheila Sweeney, the former CEO of the St. Louis Economic Development Partnership. She appointed by Stinger, of course. The indictment accuses her of helping to return political favors. Also, this guy, Stinger donor John Rallo, is charged. He received county contracts at Stinger's discretion. The two are named multiple times in Stinger's indictment, including revealing the conversation between Rallo and Sweeney on how to get the deals done. Uh, Michael, this is Democratic side. Is this about done? Are we done with this? Drip, 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 drip. I don't sure doesn't feel like it. I, I didn't
1: anticipate these to come out of the middle of nowhere this week. These indictments came. I think we were all surprised. They hadn't happened. But who knows what else is next?
3: Well, I mean, the roadmap for this was in was in the indictment of Stanger, so I, you know, it's not a shock uh, that that uh, has occurred. And you know, who knows if, if they're if they're finished? Are there bigger fish out there? Uh, we'll Ooh. have to stay tuned. Bigger
2: fish than the county executive. All right, still to come on Hancock and Kelly, we're gonna have a fun final thought today. Stick around for that one. This will be good. So you were at Game 7 for the Blues. It was so awesome. Well, it was I Blues versus Ben Bishop.
1: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> he was by himself. <laughs> That's
2: exactly right. Was it as dominating there as it seemed on TV? I mean, it, it didn't even look like the Dallas Stars It was ridiculous. Play. You felt like after the first two periods, it should have been 10 to nothing. Oh, should have been. All right. Well, this past week, the city went crazy over Game 7, the victory by the Blues. But what is the better moment in recent memory for St. Louis sports fans? Watch this back-to-back.
1: Hits it in the air to center.
0: We will see you tomorrow night.
2: Tied one to one.
1: Done in the
3: first. Zuccarello in the first. Those are the goal scorers. Blues have the puck. Thomas off the wall. Shoots. And it's in. They score. It's the
1: St. Louis.
2: All right, two local guys, local high schools, David Freeze, Pat Maroon. Do you still get chills Oh yeah. on, on both of those? And I've watched them ten times this week.
3: You no, know, it's phenomenal. And, of course, the Cardinals was a World Series win. A little different. Freeze had hit the triple to tie the game in the ninth inning.
2: Which was just as exciting. Uh,
3: Pat Maroon, mm-hmm. who'd struggled for much of the season, coming through big. Hometown, there's nothing like it. St. Louis. I think these Blues are going, buddy.
1: They're and you going. were in both games. I was at both games. I was at game six of and were. that one. I I hope that Ben Bishop gets to throw out a first pitch at the Cardinal game or something because that guy deserves a St. Louis ovation. He He stood on his head.
2: Boy, what a scene that would be to have Bishop there because, yeah, we'd rally around him. Totally. Even though we wanted to beat him. All right. Thanks for watching Hancock and Kelly. If you missed any part of the show, download it right there on your smartphone. Search out Hancock or Kelly. Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace is next. Happy Mother's Day.